We received grim reports last week regarding overdose deaths in the province of BC for 2020. More than 1,700 people lost their lives in BC as a result of an illicit drug overdose last year, including 60 lives lost right here in Kamloops. And of course, these aren't just statistics. These are real people, mothers, fathers, daughters, and sons. And one of the saddest things about these numbers is that none of it really is surprising. The Chief Constable of the Abbotsford Police Department and Chair of the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police Drug Advisory Committee, Mike Sir, was a part of last week's provincial news conference, and he joins me now. Chief Sir, how are you today? Good, thanks, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate you taking a moment here out of your day to speak with me. Um, We talked about this issue, you and I, back in the summer. Um, I believe it was July that we we spoke and, you know, how the pandemic was making things worse, cutting off supply chains, increasing the toxicity of street drugs, more people using indoors and using alone. And really not much has changed, really, since our last conversation, has it? No, I mean, I think you said it very well. The numbers are staggering. I mean, 1,716 people and everyone's got a story and it it impacts everybody uh, uh, all across. I mean, a lot of times we see the marginalized who are are very visible, who are very impacted and it, but it affects all walks of life and families and communities. So, yeah, so, I mean, a lot has happened uh, certainly since we've talked, Uh, of course, an announcement yesterday by the federal government, um, but there is still a lot of work that needs to be done if we're really going to change the course of what's happening. Now, during the the news or when this report was being unveiled, we heard the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions um, and from the province's chief coroner renewing that call for decriminalization of drug possession. Uh, Law enforcement in BC has essentially already taken the step, at least according to those that I have spoken to, and I believe you have kind of said the same thing. Um, So with that in mind, I guess, what difference would it make? How would decriminalizing drug possession change things? Would it it change things? Yeah, it it is a part of, of the overall system that we need to have in place. So, you know, as I said before, we have de facto decriminalized possession of, you know, simple possession of drugs for, you know, quite a long time here in British Columbia. And in fact, the Public Prosecution Service in the fall of 2020 has actually changed uh, charging um, procedures where they will only charge when there's extenuating circumstances impacting public safety. So we, you know, very infrequently would ever charge somebody. I mean, certainly officially decriminalizing uh, the possession of simple or simple possession of drugs would help to destigmatize. And that, that's something that certainly people who use drugs have, have been challenged with. You know, there's been a lot of conversations about, uh, you know, some of our um, Indigenous peoples and Black Canadians and marginalized communities have been, you know, overrepresented uh, and trying to support them, you know, and, and getting them the help they need. But as I said, the government yesterday came out with, you know, evidence-based diversion programs for simple possession, and we fully support that. Um, but what we need to do now is, you know, as we have more dialogue about decrim, is what are those diversion programs? Where, How do we help support individuals who are having problematic substance use and get them the support and care and attention they need from both social and health services? Yeah, and, and to build on that response, I mean, we know there's a lot of parties that have to be at the table in order to really make a difference here, right? We're talking about issues around mental health and addictions. Uh, we need politicians to be there, both local government and provincial government and the federal government to be at the table. We need, um, you know, support agencies to be able to help people on the path to recovery. What is the police's role, do you think, in all of this? Obviously, police are very involved, right? You ha- you are a part of this um, chair, mm-hmm. a chair of this committee. What What is the role here in in helping to address this problem from a police standpoint. Yeah, so I think certainly, uh, you know, in the perfect world, we would, you know, the police would not be a point of contact. But the reality is, is we're 365, 24-7. We're frequently called by, you know, the community who is, you know, had somebody who's, you know, maybe experienced an overdose, uh, you know, our preferences at health would attend. But, but 
people who may be committing a survival crime and things like that. So we're really operating now as as pathways of support. Uh, that you know, here in Abbotsford, for example, we have a project called Project Angel, where we have peers where police officers here in Abbotsford can make a phone call to Project Angel and have a peer connect with an individual and hopefully help them find some, some pathways of care and support. Um, so that's, you know, so the, the police will always have that role. Um, and like I said, we're, we're certainly changing to a more social uh, approach uh, and not a criminal justice approach. Uh, but, you know, you know, for me is what happens when a police officer at three in the morning gets a phone call that, you know, someone's using drugs uh, in an alcove of a, of a business. Um, how can that police officer support that individual and how can they get them the care they need to hopefully, uh, you know, get them on a pathway that is, is uh, healthy? One of the things we talk about here in Kamloops a lot is we have this program called Car 40 where a mental health worker rides alongside a police officer. And it's not available all the time, but it's something that I think is is a really beneficial service to have someone who is specifically trained to deal with a mental health uh, or addictions issue as opposed to a police officer. And I'm sure, you know, the training is improving when it comes to frontline police officers to respond to that kind of call. But what do you think is the... Uh, reaction of someone who is approached on the street if they're using like you mentioned maybe in the alcove of a business police get a call does the the person who is in in trouble if you will the person who is using and and is obviously um the person who was called upon do they react differently when when it's a police officer versus maybe a a social worker who's coming to them is there a, a difference of of how they can um be approached i suppose no, absolutely. I mean, in many cases, you know, I mean, the law enforcement police, we, you know, we represent, uh, you know, a risk to individuals. And, you know, it's been criminalized for so many years that, uh, you know, when people see uh, a police officer showing, their concern is that they're in trouble. Their concern is that they're going to be arrested. And, you know, part of our whole discussion as a Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police and, you know, really proud of the chiefs, you know, who fully endorsed this was, we want to provide health, make it a health priority and a social service priority and, and find people the pathways. We will still always have that connotation when they see police that we pose that risk. And that's going to take some time, of course, to change. Um, so I agree with you that, you know, having, you know, we would very much like to see more social supports, mental health supports uh, on the road who can assist individuals and, and probably provide, uh, you know, a more comforting level of care for them as we, you know, start to change our approach to, um, you know, the criminal of drugs that has been in existence for so long. Um, what do you hope we kind of learn, I suppose, from, from 2020? Uh, obviously, devastating numbers. We saw the most deaths in a single year in the province of BC from illicit overdose deaths than we've ever seen in the history of this province. How do we learn from how the pandemic changed things, obviously making them worse, increasing the, the cause, the, the toxicity of drugs on our streets, it's not going to just flip a switch, right? If say we get all of everybody vaccinated by September, it's not all of a sudden going to flip a switch and be back to where we were in 2019 when we were seeing numbers decrease. So how do we learn and adapt now that we're kind of hoping to improve? I hope we improve based on what we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly one of the effects of COVID was the social isolation. Uh, you know, 84% of the people who passed away were using in a private or in a, in a residence of, of some sort and were more, more often than not alone. Um, you know, and, and the social isolation uh, was very impactful. The fact that, you know, the tools and the diversion tools that we had available to us weren't as readily, readily available when we were all pulling back because of COVID. So, you know, peer support wasn't able to get on the street and have the face-to-face interactions and contact. Uh, likewise, people were using supervised consumption sites less. 
So, it, you know, really did teach us, you know, that there is a stigma that if people are uh, going to be reclusive and, and using alone and, and not being out there being supported, uh, that it will only further exasperate the issue. And, and you know, we went from, you know, 900 uh, in, you know, 2019 to, you know, 1,716 in, in 2020. Um, you know, those, that's a significant increase. And I think COVID certainly uh, played a role in that isolation. And part two was, you know, you mentioned it, the toxicity of the drugs. Um, we know that uh, the flow of drugs has changed. Uh, you know, certainly the border uh, disruptions. Uh, and we were seeing more domestic production here in Canada. So that's for us for law enforcement is we have to really focus our efforts and attention on going after organized crime and people who produce and import and distribute the illegal drugs who we know are incredibly lethal, highly toxic, and, uh, and, and go after them with the criminal justice system and, and support people who are using with the, uh, the medical system. Uh, one more question here for you, Constable, or Chief Constable, but um, one of the things I think often gets lost, especially with those who maybe are a little bit cynical about this issue um, and don't maybe, kind of, they, they view it as a choice, right? Someone chose to use drugs and it's sort of their fault that they're in this situation. One thing I think people often forget is that it's it's not always obvious, right, who is finding themselves in these kind of addictions situations, right? We think it's those marginalized in our communities. It's those on the streets who are, you know, living in homelessness. But that's not always the case. Sure, that's a, that's a component of it. But there's probably a lot more people who uh, might be just like your next door neighbor and you would have no idea that they're going through something like this. Do you think that's often lost when having these kinds of conversations? Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. It, it, when people, you know, have the discussion, it often starts with, you know, the most uh, vulnerable and visible people that are on our communities and on our streets. And, and certainly drug, uh, you know, problematic substance use is a concern in, in those marginalized communities. But you're exactly right. This this impacts everyone. I mean, certainly I've been very touched to speak with Mom Stop the Harm and speak with other people throughout our community uh, who have been just so uh, devastated by uh, the loss of somebody within their family as a result of a, a drug overdose. Um, so, you know, we do have to think of it differently. We do have to bring it from indoors and from behind closed doors and, and make it where we can have discussions. And I, you know, I hear it again, time and time again that not all substance use is problematic. Some people, you know, will use occasionally. But, you know, just at least have people have the supports that, you know, it can change very quickly. And, you know, everyone needs to, you know, there's not one fix for everybody. Uh, for some people, treatment is right. For other people, it might be peer. For other people, it might be a safe supply or regulated supply. Um, so we have to have a suite, a whole range of options to support individuals uh, who are all uh, impacted by this. Chief Constable, sir, thank you so much for the time. Uh, these are very important conversations to have, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with me here today. Hopefully we don't have to be talking about this issue for much longer, but I know uh, we're going to have to do it for some time. So thank you so much for this, and hopefully we can uh, catch up down the road with some more happy news to talk about. That would be great. Thanks, Jeff.